So what I want us to talk about tonight is I want us to talk about the balance between faith and works. And we got a kind, of, kind of a hint of this this morning in John chapter 6 when, when Jesus, he wasn't really talking about the balance in faith and works, but he was talking about, he was talking about the, the work of belief in, in Jesus Christ. And I think this is really important because sometimes we just don't understand. We don't understand where people are coming from, and therefore we, we have really strange conversations when we try to convert people or we try to share our faith with people. But, but sometimes we, we, we look at, at the religious world today, and to be quite honest, the, the majority of the, of the religious, uh, quote-unquote, Christian world today rejects the essentiality of baptism. Now, they would reject the essentiality of a lot of things, but the essentiality of baptism sticks out to us uh, because I know the New Testament teaches that it is essential. There's no such thing as an unbaptized believer, right? Uh, we see this connected always to sin. And so sometimes we look at that and we say, I don't even know where you're coming from because this is not some obscure biblical concept. Uh, I'm not trying, you know, I'm not going to, to uh, you know, Second Hezekiah chapter 3 in order to figure out this doctrine. I mean... Quite honestly, if you study the book of Acts, it's kind of hard to miss, right? It's kind of hard to miss. So why, why do the majority of your religious neighbors reject the essentiality of baptism? Well, it's all going to come down to our understanding of faith and works. Now, when you go back in history and you begin to understand the Protestant Reformation, Okay, I'm going I'm to give us a little bit of a history lesson. Uh, we go back into the, into the 1500s. Uh, I don't think any of you were alive back then. That's, that's a long time ago, right? 500 years ago. Well, the Protestant Re- Reformation came as a result, uh, as a reaction to Catholicism. Okay? It came as a result of Catholicism, and Catholicism, by its own admission, I'm not teaching anything, I'm not talking down about people, it is a, it is a system of works-based salvation, okay? Um, and I'm oversimplifying, but ultimately, you do these things, and then God gives you certain things. You do these things, and then God gives you certain things. Uh, even to the point of teaching this idea of sacraments, and uh, that's a strange word to us, uh, but these are the things that just have to be done. And there's, there is great value just in carrying out the action, right? Dorian, would you tell me if I'm wrong about some of this? I've been talking about this the other day. Um, I was watching um, a television show here a while back, and um, they were trying to convert the pagans. And I just found this very interesting that they really wanted the pagans to be baptized. We want the pagans to be baptized. And it really didn't matter if they, if they were converted or they believed that Jesus was the Son of God or not. They just wanted them to be baptized. And if they had gone through this ritual of baptism, of immersion, then they were good with God. Well, it comes from, an, from, the, from the concept of a sacrament. It's just something that you do, and it's powerful by its activity. Oversimplification, you can talk to me in the foyer later. But, but Protestantism came along in protest to that. To say, no, that's not what we see in the New Testament. Um, you, you can tell me that you've been baptized, but if you're not converted, if you've not been born again, if you're not convicted within your heart and your soul that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, uh, you just got wet, right? You, you don't earn your salvation. 
by any sort of work of marriage. You're not putting God into your debt. And so Protestant came and it responded to Catholicism by saying, no, salvation is not based upon works. Salvation is based upon faith. Salvation is based upon grace. And so if you look at Protestant religions today, they will talk about the concept of faith alone. Faith alone. And everything will be judged by this. Now you and I both know that the only time that the, that the New Testament speaks of faith alone is in James chapter 2, and it condemns it as a, as a foolish concept. Okay, and you can, we'll read just a little bit of that in, in, in a few moments. But the New Testament does talk about the fact that our salvation is based upon faith. And so in my own mind, I always like to think, um, are we saved by faith? Absolutely. I'm comfortable by putting, uh, with putting a period at the end of that sentence and letting it stand there all by itself. Okay? Am I comfortable putting alone with it? No. No, because that, that's creating a doctrine that's foreign to the New Testament. So places like Ephesians chapter 2, Places like Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Paul says, and this, I mean, it's just this beautiful picture of our salvation and how we were saved from our sin. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay? So, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not a text about baptism. I, I know we can talk about faith and, and obedient faith, but this, this text is not about you doing something. Because you read the rest of it. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. So the New Testament teaching is, if you're going to come up and you're going to say, well, I did this, therefore God owes me. No, no. No, that's heresy. That's heresy. And in many ways, we're indebted to, to the Protestant reformers of the 1500s and following as they, as they stood up to that works-based salvation that was put forth by, by the Catholic Church. But what happened was, as typically happens in responses to false teachings, uh, the, the, the pendulum swung from one extreme all the way to the other. Right? So in an effort to say that we're not saved by works of merit, we're not saved by these sacraments that are, that are carried forth, they went all the way basically to saying that nothing that you do contributes to your salvation. It is completely and nothing more than an act of God. And there may be a nuanced uh, way in which that is true, but it's not consistent. It's not consistent with what we see in, in the whole of the New Testament. So back to my question, why do people reject the essentiality of baptism? Quite honestly, they look and they say, well, we know that no work saves a man. Not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. And so you're coming to me and you're telling me that this work is essential. Well, that's what I know is not true because I know that works are not what saves a man, lest anyone should boast. So they just dismiss it. And basically what they're saying is there must be some other explanation for the subject of baptism. By the way, baptism is the point of, of contention. We could add any other activity right, to, to, to that discussion, but it's, it's the point of contention for us. So, so into that discussion, we come, we, we come to John chapter 6 this morning. When you remember that Jesus is telling the people, uh, really the only reason you're here is because you want a free lunch. You're, you're just interested in, in the sandwich that I, that I, I, I can provide. And, and they say, no, no, that's not true. Verse 28 of John 6, 
They said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus says this incredibly interesting thing to me when he says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. This is the work of God that you believe. And so he's not talking about anything that they need to do besides believe. But what does he call it? He calls it a work. He calls it a work. So in this text, Jesus is telling us that just as baptism is, in a sense, a work, belief is also, in a sense, a work. Because it's something that you do. You have to believe. How do I know it's something that you do? Because there are many people who do not do it. Right? There are many people who do not believe. Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So, so someone might, that people like to ask these questions uh, when you're going through the Scriptures and you're seeing the essentiality of baptism. And they'll say, okay, okay, um, um, Mr. Don, we got somebody and they are on their way to the church building to be baptized. And on the way to the church building, they get hit by a train and they die. Is that person going to heaven or is that person going to hell because they've never been baptized? And, and, you're, and by the way, don't answer questions like that. Okay, that's, that's your professional advice. Don't answer questions like that. People are playing games, and Jesus doesn't play games, okay? But I, but I want us to understand that, that that question, I could just as easily look at someone and say, Dale, let's just figure that someone is sitting in an auditorium, and only the Lord knows, but that person is just about five minutes away from hearing something that will convict them within their hearts that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They are five it's away from believing with all their heart, soul, and mind that Jesus is the Son of God. But five minutes away, they have a stroke. Are they saved or are they lost? It's the same question. It's the same question. I'm just saying that people want to manipulate it by, by acting like one is a work and one is no. They're both something that must be done. They're both something that, 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 of things that, that you must do. And so our job is to reconcile the Word of God. Not to go over here and, and to play my scriptures versus your scriptures. Y'all ever been in, in a, I won't call it argument, a discussion like that? Brian, you ever played that game? Huh? My scriptures versus your scriptures. Of course, we probably all have gotten, in, have gotten into that in the lunchroom or may, maybe, maybe around our family table or things like that. And, and we, we could all quote scriptures on both sides of this. By the way, we're a lot more comfortable with the work scriptures. I'm just going to be very honest about that, right? But I'm not unaware of, of passages like Romans chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 2. I mean, the Bible, it's kind of hard to miss on that side too, right? And so what typically happens is that people say, well, well, you believe what you believe, and you believe what you believe, and we'll kind of go our separate ways. Well, what a horrible, pathetic way to approach God, right? That, that's not how we approach the Bible. We have to make these things work. We've got to make faith and works fit together. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, I want, I want, us, to, I want us to look at the contrast. Uh, go, to, go to James chapter 2. Oh, we like James chapter 2 uh, because James, cha James chapter 2 talks about the importance of our works, right? 
talks about the importance of our works. James chapter 2 and verse 14. He says, What use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, and yet you do not, do not give them what is necessary for their body, well, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Down to verse 19, you believe that God is one, you do well. The, the demons also believe and shudder. Uh, yeah, to, to believe in Jesus, the demons believe in Jesus. Congratulations, you have the faith of a demon. We have to go beyond that, right? And then down in verse 20, he says this, are you, are, But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Illustration. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? So there, there you have it. The Bible says that Abraham was justified by works. James chapter 2 and verse 21. Now go over to Romans chapter 4. People tend to be fans of Romans or fans of James, depending on what camp they come from. Some people have discounted James because they liked Romans so much. Some people have discounted Romans because they like James so much. But in Romans chapter 4, the book of Romans is all about this, this new system of salvation and how God saves man. So what, are we, what shall we say that? Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, has found. For if Abraham was justified by works, if Abraham was justified works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. And the whole point that Paul's trying to make in Romans chapter 4 is not even Abraham was justified by works. Now, wait a minute. Paul is saying in Romans 4, Abraham was not justified by works. If anybody ever had been, he'd be the guy, but not even Abraham was justified by works. James seems to say the exact opposite, that he absolutely was justified by works. So what's going on here? And what is the solution? I think this is important for us to think through, to think through with our, with our religious neighbors and with our friends and even, even within the body. That as they talk about works and they talk about faith, that they're talking about different things. Paul, in Romans chapter 4, he's talking about works of merit. That idea that I'm going to do something and I'm going to put God into my debt. I'm going to earn something through the activities that, 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 I, that I've been going through. And he said, that doesn't exist. There are no works of merit. That, that, that's made up in your own mind. Or somehow you're trying to earn your way into heaven. And I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. Therefore, God owes this to me. Listen, if we get what, if we, get what we deserve, none of us are going to like it. Not me, and not you. For the wages of sin is death. We, we understand that. That's part of Paul's argumentation, right? So, in particular, what he's talking about in Romans chapter 4 are works of merit. Those things don't exist. Stop trying to earn your salvation. Because you cannot earn your salvation. What about James 4? Well, James 2. James is not talking about works of merit. 
He's talking about works of faith. He's talking about these things that naturally come from someone who has faith. If you have faith, you will do these things, and if you do not do these things, you must not have faith. But you haven't put God into your debt. Now, I think that's really the answer. Paul's talking about works of merit. James is talking about works of faith. Let me give you one, one verse to illustrate this, and then the lesson will be yours to, to think about as we go forward. Hebrews chapter 11, in the great hall of faith. I love this verse because uh, I, I think it just kind of shows both sides of this coin. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Who made the walls of Jericho fall down? God did. End of story. If you think that there was something more than God that made the walls fall down, well, th- that's just nonsensical. They didn't go beat on them. They, 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 they didn't attack them. They didn't hit just the perfect harmonious frequency whenever they... Ho- I, I, I read somebody once who was trying to make that argument that they hit just, like just the right pitch. You know, like you'd see someone really high note and they'd shatter. It was, this is crazy stuff. No, that's not what made the walls fall down. God made them fall down. God did that because He wanted them to understand, you're not winning these battles because you're so great. You're not winning these battles because you've trained so hard and you've been so dedicated and you've been so faithful, even though they hadn't even been faithful, right? That's not why. The walls of Jericho fell by faith after they'd been encircled for seven days. So they had to walk around the walls once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day. Did that make the walls fall down? No, it doesn't. Um, I, I, I thought about trying that once and uh, just walking around the building once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day. Would it make you nervous if I did that? Donna, next week, if you see me out walking around the building, right? If you see me out walking around the building, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk around this building once, once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day. You nervous? No, no, nobody, you're not like... I don't know, Wes has lost his mind, right? Why, why would you do that? The building's not going to fall, guys, no matter how much I yell or shout or anything like that. But question, if they hadn't done that, would the walls of Jericho fell? No, why would they have fallen? They fell by faith after they were encircled for seven days. See, don't, don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that we're saved by works of merit. That's a lie that the devil wants you to believe. That you can earn your way into heaven. And if you start going down that road, you, you are never going to find peace because you are never going to be good enough because you're not good enough. That's true about all of us, right? But don't believe the lie that we're saved by faith alone, that we don't have to do anything because that's not what the New Testament teaches either. These things are not in competition, faith and works, but they fit harmoniously together. And truthfully, you can't have one without the other. You can't have faith without works, and you won't have works without faith. Don't try to separate them because God does not. You trust in the Lord, and you make it your ambition to serve Him in whatever way He's called you to do. Maybe that's through baptism. I extend this invitation over and over again, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. Why? Because some people are still sitting there. 
never giving their life to Christ, never having been born again. Why? What's the big deal? What's the big deal? I'm going to tell you a lot of stuff. If, if, I, if I didn't have it in Scripture, it would make life a lot easier. I could just welcome somebody in the body of Christ, and we don't have to worry about it. Well, the big deal is that the Bible tells us these things are essential. So when I'm asking you to come, what I'm really asking you to do is not really to get wet. I'm asking you to humble yourself. I bet there were some people on that day that thought, you want us to walk around once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day? That's kind of weird, God. I didn't ask you what you thought. I didn't ask you if you thought it was weird. I just told you to do it. Okay, you're God. I'm not. I'm going to get to walking. I didn't ask you what you thought about baptism. I didn't ask if you thought it was a good idea, if you thought it was a convenient time. I'm just saying that this is what the Lord says. So it's time, it's time to get to washing. Same thing with repentance. Why would you bear your soul? Submission to God. Same thing with casting our burdens upon Him. Why would you do that? We live in this world that says, don't tell anybody anything about yourself. No, no, it's about submission to God. This is about living a life that walks by faith in the Son of God. If you walk that way, it'll change everything. Friends, if you have a need, if you have a need, won't you come tonight as we stand and as we sing?